week on NRL teams. The high-flying storm rests stars as one big gun returns, but can he find a spot in the starting front? The Panthers sweat on an early return for one of their star halves as they look to refine their pre-origin groove. The Eels welcome back one origin star while another remains sidelined. And with the Gould era underway at Belmore, the Dogs make their first big name signs. Welcome to NRL Teams. I'm Neve Owens. Lovely to have you with us. I hope you're keeping safe and well wherever you're joining us today. And lovely to have you both back in the studio again. Hello to Aussie and New South Wales Blues representatives, Brett Kamali and Robbie Farah. Good Robbie, welcome. In the flesh, not on the screen today. So, yeah, it's good good to get out of the house and, and back in the <laughs> studio. So, yeah. It's nice to have an excuse just once in a week, isn't it, to get out of those four walls. Can you tell us, you were involved in the Tiger Town doco that we got to see for the first time last night. Only a minor appearance in opening episode, but we know you are mic'd up in an episode to come. What was that experience like? Do you forget? that you're mic'd up in the end and go about your business as usual. Yeah, you do. I think it's obviously great by the club. I think it's a great initiative uh, to open the doors and uh you know, all scenes there was there was nothing you know, out of you know outside the boundaries. Um yeah, they were in the change rooms, they were in uh, the, you know, I think they traveled in a car to and from training with one of the boys and at home and uh, game day and everything. So it gives a great insight to to the fans and the punters at home as to what goes on day to day in a football club and especially um yeah, it, t- it, t- it took a lot of nerve from the Tigers, especially with, you know, we're, we're not going too well at the moment uh, this year and, and the last, the previous years as well. So to do that when you're not going so well, um, I think, yeah, it takes a lot of, takes a lot of backbone. Um, I think it's easy when you're, when you're going well to, to open up the door and say, hey, look how great we're going. But, um, you know, it's pretty raw and, and pretty emotional at times. You'll, you'll see some, some things in the, in the episodes coming up as well that, um, you know, when you're going through the highs and lows of a, of a rugby league season, there, there is a lot of emotion involved and I'm sure that'll come out on the TV screen. And that real human element, yeah. Noddy, we often talk about it, that players are surprisingly yeah. human beings yeah. themselves. Yeah. And with access like this, you get to see that human emotional side of things, which can really change perceptions. Yeah, that's right. And as Robbie said, it takes a lot of, I suppose, backbone for the club to open their doors and go behind the scenes because the NRL is the most secretive code probably ever <laughs> in the yeah. competition. You can't go and learn from a club you're not employed at. Everyone's got their own little secrets. They hide things away. So to open up the doors and allow full access, for the club, uh, I think is a really good thing to do. It allows fans, it allows sponsors, it allows just NRL fans just to see behind the scenes what happens with Clubland, how does a coach talk to the players, the amount mm. of work that goes into it from a player to prepare for a game. So they are human beings, yeah. you're right. And you do, you do forget sometimes. <laughs> like mic- oh, I had the mic on for a game, I think we played Penrith yeah. at Leichhardt and I was, I was mic'd up with a blue shirt and, and early on uh, yeah, you say something, you go, oh, bugger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, the mic on me, you, you almost forget. You yeah. do You do forget it's on. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Watching your language to begin with. <laughs> yeah. And then it all goes downhill from yeah. there. We have heard in the last 24 hours or so that thankfully families yeah. will be heading north to join players. They'll have that two weeks quarantine to begin with. But how much of a boost will that be for the players themselves to know that the families from Wednesday will be en route to Queensland? Yeah, that's right. Well, that was what they were told at the start when they were first relocated. Then they were like, oh, hang on a sec, they can't come anymore. So that would have felt uh, a little bit uncomfortable, I think, thinking that they've just told us something to get us on the plane to travel. To, yeah. to Queensland, but for those players who uh, have the ability for their families to relocate and to go up there, that's that's 
that'd be great. You know, the, the, the ones that'll go there, up there are the ones that need assistance or they've got young kids or can actually just travel up there and spend time mm. with their partners. So it'll make it feel a bit more like home. Um, we don't know how long they're up there for. Uh, in some regards, they could be there till the first weekend of October. So it's going to would be a long time away from from your home or a long time away from your family. So great news for for anyone who's travelling up there. And the big, the great game of rugby league at the moment still continues, which is nice. Thank goodness, because we need something to watch yeah. while we're at home on the couch every day. <laughs> now it's been a long and sorry season for the two of you in terms of your predictions. Let's have a look at how you both fared in round 18. Mine is that the top six teams will win by 12 or more points this round. Parramatta, 26. The Titans, 8. Seagulls, 32. Over the Dragons, 18. 34 points to 18. Melbourne, 48. Newcastle, 4. Penrith, 30. Being the Warriors, 16. South Sydney, 32. Canterbury, 24. Over 400 points scored across all the games this weekend. So over 50 points a game. sound effect that I didn't even yeah. know we had. A tick. Close but no cigar, Noddy. Unlucky, mate. Oh, I've got the Sunday night. Now that he's had his own victory, look at him, look at him. Oh, oh, arrogant the now. Final, arrogant. The final two games that we got me there. So. <laughs> no, so good. Bit of fun. That was probably that, that was, was some of our best predictions, by the way. So we're, yeah. we're improving as the year goes on too. Yeah, we talk about it with the teams themselves. Always more fun when you're winning, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, who's your 3-2-1 and one from round 18? Yeah, I, I went. my three points was Victor Radley. I thought he was certainly great for the Roosters. Um, in, in a close match, and then his leadership and his ball-playing ability. Two points, Nico Hines. Just continues to get better in that time in State of Origin camp. was great. And Adam Dewey, um, running 5-8. He wants to play 5-8 and got the opportunity to play 5-8 and thought he came up with some great long passes, uh, really good cutout passes. So uh, uh, it's my three, two and one from the weekend. Well, we see him named in six again this week. That was an impressive performance. Yes. Robbie Farrow, you're three, two and one. My one was Kieran Foran. I thought he really stepped up with uh, no DC and, and Turbo there on the weekend. Uh, really led from the front. My two points was Adam Dewey. As, as Noddy said, I thought he was outstanding for the Tigers back in the number six jersey. And Nico Hines, three points. Um, incredible uh, just to see the development in his game as the season's gone on. Um, you almost forget that Ryan Pappenhausen's missing uh, yeah. in the Storm side because he's going so well. So it's a nice headache that you know, Bellamy's going to have uh, when Pappenhausen's back in, you know, fit and ready to go. They would have nearly scored 50 points between those two. You're, you're, yeah. you're talking about your 50 points each match. Dewey and Hines would have nearly had 50-point output. Five tries for Dewey, and I think he... Hines was unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, and a beautifully executed Chewy yeah. as well. <laughs> the only kind of Chewy you should see without any liquid yeah, in there at yeah, all. Yeah. All right, it is four o'clock, which means our teams have dropped for round 19. Let's take you to Thursday night footy to begin with. And we'll see the Parramatta Eels take on the Canberra Raiders at Seabus Super Stadium. And Parramatta first up, still without halfback Mitch Moses. So Jacob Arthur again starting in that number seven jersey alongside Dylan Brown, who was instrumental in last week's win. A solo try, 111 metres, quality kicking game. The Eels' other origin rep, Junior Paulo, is back this week. So Murata Niakore moves to the bench. Blake Ferguson makes his return, his first game since round 12. William Penasini is in the centres with Thomas Opicic 
out. For the Raiders, plenty of changes for Ricky Stewart's side as well. We start with some terrible news. Xavier Savage gone for the year with a shoulder injury that will require surgery. Such a shame for the young player. So Jordan Rappiner will play fullback. Harley Smith-Shields is on one wing with Semi Valeme on the other. Jack Whiten suffered a rib injury last week, so Matt Frawley comes in at 5'8". Josh Papali'i is back in the front row with Soliola moving to the bench. Matt Tomoko comes onto the bench with Ryan James dropping back to the extended reserves. All right, Mitchell Moses to begin with, still looking to ascertain exactly what the issue out of origin or out of training since origin is, but he is missing again this weekend as we discover how long he is out what does that do to the eels top four hopes yeah well they're on 20 they're on fourth they're on 28 points and fifth is roosters on 24 and manly is six on 22 if you look at the next round so they play the roosters south sydney manly cowboys storm and penrith that's Mitchell a tough Mo- run home, yeah, it's it's a tough tough run home. Yeah. so if moses doesn't play they're potentially here a chance of going one from six or two from six leading into a semi-final campaign where their season's been so so consistent He's played State of Origin. They played pretty courageous last week, as you said, without both Origin mm. players. That was a massive win for them last week, but um, I don't think they can they can challenge the top sides without a Mitchell Moses in there running the game. Hopefully he is back ASAP yeah. from an Eels perspective. It means that a bloke like Reid Marnie, who is already such an important player for this side, Robbie, and has been in fine form this season, mm. he's taken his game to another level. How important does he become? Yeah, he does. And to have him back from injury is a massive boost uh, for the for the Eels. And as well as Dylan Brown, I thought he really stepped up last week with Mitchell Moses being out of the side. But, you know, Reid Marnie's ha- he's been in unbelievable form. Uh, his injury was untimely for him because he probably would have found himself in a in a Maroons jumper during state, state of origin. And, uh, yeah, but he's come back now from his injury, fresh and ready to go. And as you said, he's going to step up and have a bit, a bit more of a leadership role there and, and a playmaking role with Mitchell Moses out of the team. Such impressive form this season. Speaking of impressive form, the Raiders, in the last couple of weeks, the revival is on. They've beaten Manly and Cronulla in consecutive weeks, taking on, as we've already mentioned, a top four outfit now in the Eels. How important is this game for us to believe that they're back, but more Mm. importantly, for them to have the confidence that this season is still very much in their own hands? Yeah, I think we we know who the top six is going to be in this competition. We don't know who seventh and eighth is going to be. So they currently sit ninth, as you said, equal with the Sharks and Newcastle. Um, And their strength is their forward pack. So um, Jack White not playing. Yes, it hurts them, but the last two wins they've had has been built on the back of all their forwards coming off the back fence, building pressure, high completion rate, playing both off both dummy halves. Mm. Yeah, Starling and Hodgson have done a wonderful job. And the short kicking game from the short kicking game from Frawley and Williams two weeks ago, I think they got eight or nine repeat sets. So that that builds pressure, takes petrol away from the Parramatta side. So yeah, I think I think they're a hope. As bad as their season's been, they're yeah. still alive, which is amazing. And with seven rounds to go, they take on the Knights, the Dragons, the Storm, Manly Warriors, and Roosters. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and you, you look at seventh and eighth. You got you know the Dragons and, and Cronulla who have been so losing tight. games. Yeah, and and they'll fancy their chances this week against an eel side without Mitchell Moses too. So they're off the back of back to back wins. Uh, you know, confidence is building. So they'll go into this game with a lot of confidence against you know a, a Parramatta side under under strength. Um, I'll give them a chance. Green Machine fans, stay tuned. It is a long, old NRL season. Let's head to Friday night footy and our 6pm game. The Roosters up against the Knights. This one at Sunshine Coast Stadium for the Roosters. James Tedesco enjoyed a post-origin rest. The skipper is back for the Tricolours this week. So Joey Manu moves back to the centres. He'll partner Billy Smith with Josh Morris in Jersey 20. 
Angus Crichton will start in place of Nat Butcher. Siwa Takiaho returns via the bench, coming back from the hamstring injury that kept him out last weekend. For the Knights, good and bad news for Newcastle. The good first, Caelan Ponga and David Clemmer have been named after failing HIAs in the loss to the Storm. They'll be monitored this week. The bad, no Mitchell Pearce. He's still battling that hamstring injury, so Phoenix Crossland will play at halfback. Daniel Saifiti returns from a rib complaint. He'll partner twin brother Jacob, who starts despite picking up that ankle injury on Saturday night. And Connor Watson starts at lock, with Mitch Barnett moving to the second row. Out of contract, Lockie Fitzgibbon left out of the 17. For the Roosters first, Joey Manu is so good when he plays in the middle of the field. He's so good regardless yeah. of where he plays ultimately. When the Roosters are as fit as they can be in 2021, where does Joey Manu play? Yeah, you're right. It's it's too much talent. Too much yeah. talent on the it's outside backs for the Roosters. Yeah, and, and Suali's also gone for the season as well, who was would have been in and amongst it. Um, I love when he floats around the park. As you said, he plays in that middle field. He, he finds ball carries. He came up with a couple of try assists at the end of the Cowboys match that, that just was individual brilliance. So um, it puts a lot of pressure on a young Sam Walker. But I think potentially your most creative back line would be him playing 5'8 and Tedesco playing mm. fullback. But then that takes away Drew Hutchison's kicking game and probably helpful of Sam Walker's game management. So I know it's a big ask, but I would, my thought is the best back line that the Roosters can put together this year would be Joey Manu at 5'8. I, I just think moving forward, though, uh, he's got a big decision to make, Joey Manu, because you look next year and you'd expect to have Kiri back yeah. uh, with Sam Walker in the halves. Tedesco is going to be the one. So if he if he sees, sees himself as anything other than a centre, if he sees himself as a fullback or a 5'8", he's probably got to go find another club to to, to play there mm. long term and, and probably earn that money, you know, earn that fullback money, earn that 5'8 money, because in the long run at the Roosters, he's only ever going to be a centre. Because, you know, the, the seven, six and, and one jersey, uh, yeah. they're, they're set in stone. So he's got a big decision to make for his future. Yeah, whether or not he's wasted out wide because mm, okay. he has been such a delight to watch this week, this season. The Knights, not as much a delight to watch against yeah. the Storm last weekend. Ultimately went down 48 points to four. It was a disappointing performance. This is what their coach, Adam O'Brien, had to say after the game. Yeah, tough night at the office, tough week. And we took that into the... Into the contest clearly tonight. I thought, you know, we haven't handled the week like we should have, I guess, and that, that lays with me. Um, but yeah, I, th I think we trained light and we started that way tonight, so. Operation Relocation, a challenge for all mm. clubs, undoubtedly. A massive week, big changes for them all to cope with. Looking at those comments from Adam O'Brien after the game, what kind of a message does that send to the players? What did you make of those comments? Yeah, I didn't like the comments. I thought it was a, a wave the white flag excuses. Uh, we Every club knew they were relocating out of Sydney on Wednesday. Uh, if it mm. meant changing training days, which I heard in part of that press conference, he said that we changed training days. It didn't work very well. There was plenty of clubs that went up to Queensland and put great performances in. So you just had to get up, get on with it, get over it, um, go up there and, and, and perform well. They're, they're, they're another side that could potentially make the top eight. It brought so, so much talent. And I know they've had some disruptions, and Mitchell Pearce was ruled out pretty late, but the one thing that you want to see your side do is have a dig. No excuses, yeah. have a dig and get beat by talent. That's not what happened the other day. I just think when they're bad, they can be really bad, yeah. the Knights. And, and I'm, I'm with Noddy. Uh, the comments there from, from Adam O'Brien, I just think that yeah, if, if anyone had an excuse, it was, pro it was probably Melbourne because yeah. you know, they were the last to find out that their game was getting moved from, from a home game in, in Melbourne up to the Sunshine Coast. So Newcastle knew from earlier in the week that they were going to be moving to yeah. Queensland, as all the other 
12 clubs that were getting relocated new. Melbourne only found out, I think, a couple of days before the game. So uh, it wasn't a problem for them. So I don't think you can use that as an excuse. And it doesn't get any easier for the Knights. The Storm last weekend, the Roosters this weekend. And over the last five years, the Knights have only won one of ten games against the Roosters. And if you have a look at some of these score lines, they are not tight games of footy. So looking at the fact they'll be missing Mitchell Pearce again this weekend, if they're on the end of another big scoreline in back-to-back weeks, what does that do to their season and their hopes of that spot in the top eight? You can't say it puts a line through them because those teams around the eighth position are so inconsistent at the moment. They can concede 50 and then they can win by 20. It's just there's no form line in, in how well they go. The good news is they, they hopefully get some of their enforcers back. They get the big men back. They don't have a Mitchell Pearce, but Caelan Ponga is probably the most influential player in the, Queen, in the, yeah. in the Newcastle club at the moment. Um, it, it's just their willingness, I suppose, to turn up. If they, want to turn, if they want to make the eight this year, there's a position available for the Knights to make it. They've probably got the best roster out of the sides that are currently coming 7, 8, 9 and 10. If they can get them on the park. Yeah, if they can get them they on need, the park. They need Pearce back. They need Mitch back. You know, for them to make a run, I think. Yeah. I can't see them. Yeah. You know, they, they look good when they've got you know, their spine together. They've only played together, I think, maybe a couple, a couple of times, of times yeah. this season. Yeah. You know, Ponga's been out injured. Um, you know, Braley's back in the side now. Um, Jake Clifford's come down yeah. from, from the Cowboys. Yeah. So if they can get those four guys on the, on, the, on the park consistently in the run home, I'll give them a chance. But like you're right, this is a big week for yeah. them. They, they need to bounce back after that last, the last performance because that was abysmal last but week. They could get one of their five co-captains to be a leader. <laughs> 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 Tongue in cheek comment. <laughs> to finish that analysis of our first Friday night game, let's go to our second Friday night game now and the 7:55 p.m. kickoff with the Cowboys taking on the Storm. This one at Queensland Country Bank Stadium for North Queensland. David Bowen out for the season. ACL injury, he'll undergo surgery in the coming weeks. Murray Tuolangi moves into the centres and Kane Bradley comes onto the wing. Helam Lukey returns from his one-game suspension via the bench. For Melbourne, fullback Ryan Pappenhausen is back via the bench with Nico Hines retaining his grip on the number one jersey for now. Josh Adokar is back from origin duties and George Jennings is missing with a knee injury. It's expected to keep George Jennings out for the next month or so. Cameron Munster gets a rest this week and Cooper Johns takes his place in the halves. Christian Welch returns to the side with Tui Kamakamitha moving to lock. Chris Lewis is in the second row with Felice Kafusi also rested. Jordan Grant drops into the extended reserves with Nelson Asofa-Solomona returning from suspension via the bench. For the Cowboys coming off their fifth consecutive loss and we know that one really hurt for the Cowboys. We saw those scenes in the sheds after the game. We know that they're leaving everything out there and they're pushing really Mm. hard. Tom Gilbert, one of the players who was distraught after the result. They start games so well. They show what they can do. They were in this game up to the 60-minute mark, but there's just those little lapses that let other sides back into the contest. What happens in those moments, Noddy? Yeah, well, as you said, it was 18-all at one stage with the Roosters, and then they got blown away by 14 points, I think, in the last couple of minutes. So uh, they make some bad decisions. Uh, they come up with some tackle five plays that sort of don't build pressure, and they hurt themselves. Um, as you said, there was, a, there was a moment at half-time as well where they just literally had to defend the last set of six and they would have gone in much more comfortable. They conceded the try after conceding a penalty right on half-time as well. So um, I suppose it's taken time for the coach to get the players. They're hurting, definitely. You can see the emotion they're they're trying with. Um, And sometimes you get to a stage where you can try too hard. Sometimes the harder you try, the worse you go. And Mm. then the more it becomes a headline, the more you have all these meetings about let's not fold when the pressure's on. 
Well, that's the first thing that comes to your head when you're in the pressure moment. So uh, they've got to, you know, obviously, yeah, um, key positions are young uh, in some regards. Dean's there, Robson's there. Um, they've had injuries. Uh, they're the worst defensive team in the competition as the, at the moment as well. Even though they were, yeah. they're there and thereabouts for that top eight position, they're 16th in defence. So that's the first thing they've probably got to fix. Which is, their, which is their, edge deci- their decision-making on the edges is so poor. Mm. Yeah, they, they can see some tries with some really bad... Uh, defensive errors on the, on the edges. Um, if I was a, uh, Toddy Payton as a coach, I'm sure we'd be looking at that, and that's something that they dead set need to improve because, as you said, they're in the contest. Mm. Uh, they're working hard. The effort's there, but it'll just be a lapse or a decision-making decision or in defence that's just letting them down. On last play sometimes as well, you know, you're working, working so hard for you know, six tackles, 12 tackles, and then just a simple dis- um, yeah, defensive error, uh, decision-makings, you know, is costing them dearly. So... Um, yeah, so that's that's something they need to sort out because it, it, attacks are so good these days yeah. that they'll just pick you out. If you're making those errors on the edges, they're going to pick you out and, they, and you're going to concede points. They'd want to look at it quickly because they're up against a storm side yeah. this weekend who broke an 86-year rugby league record last week, 623 points after 17 games, the most we've ever seen in that time. They feel like such a happy, harmonious squad at the moment, so much so that a bloke by the name of Ryan Pappenhausen, returns this weekend via the bench. What do they do with the Pat v Nico Hines conundrum moving forward? Well, it's a good, it's a great reward for Nico Hines, actually, that when Pappenhausen's back, he doesn't just get pushed straight out of the side because he's been so good for him, as you said, in this whole time that Ryan Pappenhausen's been out. I think his emergence by going into the State of Origin camp would have been amazing for him. The other thing is that they've now got depth because, obviously, when Pappenhausen comes back and plays fullback, if a Cam Munster or Jerome Hughes get hurt, he could play in the halves. Yeah. He could easily go to the halves. So it actually makes Melbourne more dangerous now at the end of the year if they are able to get an injury. They won't want to get an injury, but they're still able to, to then potentially win the mm. competition if they lose one of their halves because of the development of Nico Hines. It's a nice thing having Pappenhausen back. It sure is. Not a bad problem to have for Craig Bellamy. He had a couple of other problems this week in terms of being able to lift (laughs) his own bag as well. I have loved Uh, this vision, which we have all seen ad nauseum since the the main man, Hectic Cheese, filled the coach's bag with rocks. Josh Adokar filming it. I love this. It feels like this is a team who enjoy each other's company. Craig needs to go to the gym. He can't lift his yeah. bag. Come on, Craig. They tell us you trained hard. Maybe you need to do some weights. I mean, they say he's mellowing in his old age, Craig Bellamy. I think he's got a couple of players who are helping him mellow right now. Oh. Right, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't me, coach. <laughs> Nothing to not do with it. How important is that, especially at a time like this when they're in a bubble together for a month, for maybe a couple of months? How important is the fact that they seem to have a damn yeah. good yeah. time doing it? And it shows how tight-knit they are, you know, the, the fact that they could take the mickey out of each other and, and you can do that to the coach. You know, I'm sure there's other coaches out there or players that would be too, too scared yeah, to, right. to play those sorts of pranks on their coach. Uh, you know, fearing sort of a reaction or, uh, but it just goes to show that, you know, they're, they're just you know, one big family and uh, they see the coach as one of the boys and, and they can they can do that to him and play those pranks and I'm sure, um, I'm sure Craig whilst he, uh, you know, was a bit filthy at it, I'm sure <laughs> deep down he, he, he knows it's, you know, sort of showing him the love too that, um, you know, they feel comfortable that they can actually do that to him. Yeah, but as you guys found off the top, it's easier when you're winning, right? 
Oh, everything's easy. <laughs> they, they, everything's packed up, easy. Yeah, they, they packed up and went to Queensland last year. They've been through all this yeah. already. Uh, as Robbie said, I think it's the relationship between the players and the coach they've got that most clubs would like to have, and certainly yeah. winning clubs have got that relationship more than losing clubs because you're going through the the the, the tough decisions and the heartache of being a losing coach. But I think that that's that shows that Craig Bellamy's been around yeah. for a long, long time. He's He's matured these players. They've turned into rep players. They, they love the relationship on him and they can have a bit of fun. So it's, it's a good sign to see. I think I would think they wouldn't push the line on don't pass the ball when you're not allowed to. Make sure you make your tackles. Mm. There are a couple of things that Craig would demand that they would go, yes, boss. I did that to Jason Taylor's bag one day. We all know how that ended up. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to Saturday Arvo footy now, shall we? Really quick, smart. The 3pm game, the Rabbitohs up against the Warriors. This one at Sunshine Coast Stadium, South Sydney. Wayne Bennett welcomes back his fullback after a super successful Origin performances. Latrell Mitchell back in the number one jersey with Blake Taft dropping to the extended reserves. Josh Mansour comes onto the wing with Alex Johnston ruled out for the next month or so. Campbell Graham is named in the centres. He'll need to pass concussion protocols to play. Jackson Paulo will be on the other wing with Tane Mill moving to the bench. Jai Arrow is back on the bench alongside Jacob Host, who passed his in-game HIA, but Liam Knight has been ruled out with concussion. For the Warriors, there's no Roger Tuavasa-Shek, the skipper not coming back after that head knock on Sunday. Cody Nikarima will start at 5-8. Adam Pompey replaces Rocco Berry at centre. Jazz Tavanga comes into dummy half for Wade Egan. Torhu Harris was the fourth of the Warriors' quartet to go down in the first half against the Panthers. Jack Murchie will start for the first time since round 12. Josh Curran is promoted to lock and Bunty Afoa comes on to the bench. The Rabbitohs have won six in a row despite being far from their best of late. So the coach would be happy about that to begin with, the fact they've been able to bank those points. They lose Alex Johnston for a month. Mm. They've got replacements, of course they do, but he leads the competition for tries this season. He's still, they're big shoes to fill. They are big shoes to fill. And the one thing that that he does very, very well is if he gets given an opportunity to score, he rarely does he fail Mm. in scoring a try. So not the biggest winger in the game, but probably one of the the best finishers in the game. The left edge for South Sydney is certainly the go-to edge. So uh, it's not a bad replacement, though, a bloke called Josh Mansour, who's played in, you know, representing football for his country to come in and play, and he's at the end of his career, Josh, so he gets an opportunity to play. He's got great experience. He'll know what it's all about. So they were in second gear last week. Uh, Cody Walker, I felt like he didn't want to get tackled last week. Every time he got the ball, it was just offload and offload. So I reckon Wayne would have given both barrels at halftime and at full-time last week. Mm. The good thing is they won, which doesn't hurt you on the ladder, but I think they'll be expecting a much better performance this week. Looking at those 80-minute performances, as we head into the final seven rounds of the season, Robbie, the Rabbitohs have been inconsistent across the 80 minutes. I think even the most fervent Rabbitohs fan would admit that. Is that a worry or is there still plenty of time to build into finals footy, the kind of footy they'll need to beat those top four sides? Look, there is time. Um, Wayne's always been really good at getting that timing right. You know, obviously they've gone through the origin period with a lot of their stars missing. They've got through that period. Uh, you know, he, he's, a, he's a mastermind of you know, timing his run to perfection uh, you know, come September. And I think you know, there's no doubt they need to improve. If, if, they, if they're playing the way they are now, when it comes down to the crunch end of the season, I can't see them competing with you know, the Penriths and the Melbournes. Defensively, they've got to get better. Um, but I think you're right. I think they were in second gear on the weekend. They were playing the Bulldogs. It was a game they were expected to win. Uh, you know, they rested Latrell Mitchell. But I think now 
they'll start to get a bit more intense. As you said, Cody Walker, he'll start taking the line on a bit more. Latrell will come back after a break, a bit freshened up. Um, and Wayne will have them ready to go come September, I think. Um, but no doubt they've got to be better. They've got to be better. The way they've played in the last six weeks, they've won six games, but it hasn't been convincing at all. Not all teams can take the points out of those games when yeah. they are unconvincing, though, can they? Which is a real plus for the Rabbitohs. For the Warriors, they were so good in the first half last weekend. Ultimately, injuries cleared their bench. Mm. How do they back up this week after that epic physical effort last weekend? Well, it's a tough, it's a tough game in the NRL. Uh, and, and as you said, sometimes you get some, the luck go against you. They had no reserves on the bench the second half. They did it really tough. Um, they're going through a, a bit of a tough period at the moment. They lose their captain through, you know, who's not playing again this week. Um, there's no easy victories in the NRL. Mm. You've you got to have talent. You've got to know how to win when you're playing bad. You've got to get some luck, as they say. Um, you know, it just seems like the Warriors at, at the moment, are a bit like the Cowboys, you know, they're sides at the top of the competition that know how to win when they're not at the best and know what decisions to make and how to scramble and get out of it. And the sides that are about middle tier or, or sitting between 10 and 14, they're the sides that are the ones we always go, oh, they're unlucky, they're not making their way. But they don't know how to get to that next level yet. Mm. Maybe that comes from players. Maybe that comes from Nathan Brown and Todd Payton both being two or three years into their coaching reign there. But, you know, again, it comes back down to, ta you know, tackle five completions, don't beat yourselves, um, defensive reads on the edge, make it really hard to score tries, fight as tough as you can and... Sometimes you scrap a win and then all of a sudden you get that, win, that one win and then all of a sudden you lead on to the next couple of journeys. We talked about the Rabbitohs being, having won six in a row on yeah. the way into this game. The Warriors have lost six in a row on the way into this game, quietly in tight games as they go about their business. Does it start to get to the point of the season where it becomes do or die for this Warriors side in terms of their finals hopes? Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, they're running out of time. You look at their run, their run home now. There's... Look, there's some winnable games there. Obviously, they've got you know, um, a tough game this week against the Rabbitohs. You've got you know, Tigers, Sharks, Bulldogs, Broncos, you know, Raiders, Tigers. So none of the you know, top six sides uh, after the Rabbitohs this weekend. So you know, they'd, be, they'd be hoping they get you know, Roger back and uh, get you know, those guys. I think Tohu Harris might be out you know, for the season, yeah. I, I possibly heard as well. So it does become difficult when you're missing you know, some of your, your senior players. Uh, but Roger's a big one. If they can get him back... Keep Reese Walsh on the you know on the field. Chad Townsend, Nick Arima, um, you know, and they're, they're two front rowers. You know, I think if they're going to make you know, some sort of run at the the back end of this uh, season, you know, now with Lodge, Lodge and um, uh, Fanul Blake up front, I think yeah, you know, it's got to be off the back of their go forward. Yeah, you know, they, they can be the most damaging front row pairing in the competition if they want to be, um, and if they're in form and going forward, I think yeah, you know, the Warriors can play some footy off the back of that. They are only four points adrift of the top eight, so still very much in this finals race. Let's have a look at the 5.30 Saturday game now where the Manly Sea Eagles take on the West's Tigers. Manly Warringah first. Three big ins for the Sea Eagles. Tom Trebojevic is back at fullback, so Ruben Garrick moves back to the wing. Daly Cherry Evans returns and Josh Schuster goes into the second row. Jake Trebojevic is back at lock after missing the last three matches, forcing Sean Kepi to the bench. Carl Lawton is missing with a back issue, but does Hazler does get Josh Alloyer back for his first match since round eight. For Robbie's Tigers, Michael Maguire's side is unchanged from the one that beat the Broncos last weekend. Adam Dewey retains his spot at 5'8 after five try assists and four line breaks last start. What a performance it was. 
All right, looking at Manly first. Speaking of players, as we were earlier, that need to get their hands on the ball more, how impressive was Josh Schuster yeah. in the halves last yeah. weekend? Well, and it depends what hand he gets on the ball as well because he, he did They're some great hands. skills. He carries it in one hand. He swaps yeah. hands, defends wherever the players are coming from. He's going to be their X factor when the semifinals come around. You know, he's he's probably going to become too big to be the 5'8", uh, as probably we thought he was going to become coming through the ranks. Um, players on the right edge, great ball player. Um, Kieran Foran's going to play, will play on the opposite edge to him. DCE floats around the park. Tom, Jake. Um, Des has put a fair outfit together. And, and mm. you know, unstructured football is really hard to defend. You know, everyone has defensive plans and structure and bits and pieces. But when you've got a kid as talented as that that can just make it up, they're the ones that are really hard to stop. Does he inevitably become too big to play in the halves? Or is it just a case of the longer he spends in the second row, the more he needs to beef up to play in that position and therefore the further he gets yeah, from a spot in yeah, the halves? Yeah, yeah it's a bit of a catch-22 really. But, uh, yeah, he's got the skill to play both. He's got the, yeah. And he's got the size to play back row. And I like him in the back row because he brings a point of difference to that left edge attack. I said earlier in the year, it reminds me a bit of a, a Wade Graham on the left edge for, for Cronulla where you know, he's got a pass, he's got a kick, he can run, he's got an offload, uh, footwork. He, he, he's, a, he's a full pack and he's so young. He's so young, he's only going to get better. So uh, he's an exciting talent. And I think the fact they've signed Kieran Foran for next year as well just allows his, like, there's no pressure on him to to go either way next year. It just allows his game to develop naturally, whether that's in the back row or whether you know, Kieran gets injured or whatever it may be, he might miss for a couple of games, you can move him in there. And then, as I said, there's no pressure on him to be the starting six for, for a whole season in the NRL because he is so young and he's still going to take some time and you just want to let him naturally evolve as a player. Speaking of starting sixes, is Adam Dewey the Tigers 5'8 for the rest of 2021? Yeah, I think so, definitely. I think on the performance you saw last week, uh, there's no other rule, no, no, there's no other option, but he definitely suits. The, looks like he's the best option to play 5'8. He reminds me a lot of a Trent Barrett, a running 5'8, really big frame, um, great long passing game, you know, tremendous mm. kicker of the ball, puts up those great floating torpedoes. The other thing he had last week was he had a lot, probably a lot more players in motion, people in and around him, because as a, as a playmaker or someone looking to pass the ball, you've got to have people in motion and, and, and people to pass the ball to. So I thought, you know, Dane Laurie's bit of combination as well. He's going to be a yeah. player next year after he's done a full off-season with the Tigers because he came at the end of the off-season. Um, he's going very, very well for his first shot. So I think Dewey is the long-term six for this year and how well he goes this year actually determines whether he stays there for... Because you can't go 5-8 for a few weeks and you can't go centre for a few weeks because it hurts your own development. So this year will determine if he goes great for the next seven weeks, then he, do, he does the off-season at 5-8, he plays next year at 5-8 and they go out and invest in another centre. We know how much he loves playing yeah. at 5-8 as well. Yeah, he wants to be a 5-8. And I, look, I thought the three of them together worked really well. With, you know, Brooksy, I thought, squared yeah. up really well to the line, which created opportunities for, for Dewey and, and Dane Laurie out the back of that to, to create some opportunities. But... Look, there's no kidding ourselves, and with all due respect to the Broncos, um, yeah, they weren't real strong defensively. So it's a different, it's a different ask this week against the Manly side. You know, back at full strength. So it, you know, it's a big ask for the Tigers this week to come up with some points against a strong Manly side. Let's head to Suncorp Stadium now and Saturday night football, where we see the Penrith Panthers take on the Brisbane Broncos. 7:35 p.m. kickoff for Penrith. One big inclusion in the halves for Ivan Cleary's side. Matt Burton moves back into the centres with Jerome Luai returning at 5'8", so Brent Naden drops out of the 17. Abby Corusau returns to the hooking role and Mitch Kenny drops back to the bench. James Fisher-Harris was forced from the field injured late last week, but he's good to go again. He has been a massive part of the Panthers' success this season. 
For the Broncos, Kevin Walters has made one personnel change and it's not Xavier Coates. The Origin winger is on the Broncos reserves list. There have been reports that Stormbound winger won't be picked to play again in the NRL this year. They are claims that the club refutes. Corey Pay Pax returns to the bench at the expense of Jesse Arthurs. In a couple of minor reshuffles, Tom Flegler has been named at prop with Reese Kennedy dropping to the bench while Jordan Rickey starts on an edge in place of TC Rabadi who is in the Jersey 17 and must overcome a corked quad to face the Panthers. Jerome Luai to begin with, a massive in for the Panthers. Are you a little bit surprised that they stuck with Tyrone May and moved Matt Burton to the centres? No, I think there was some talks of Matt Burton playing centre for New South Wales before the Origin squads got assembled because he was going that good as a centre. So um, I think it's fine. I think, you know, obviously Tyrone May, good game manager. Um, you know, Jerome Luai comes back in. He's had a few weeks off. He's obviously recovered from an injury. He'll be nice and fresh now um, with a few weeks to go leading into the semi-finals. Ball of energy, uh, bouncing around, all excited um, for what he was able to achieve. And it just shows the versatility of Matt Burton as well. He, he does a good job at playing in the halves and he does a great job at playing in the centres as well. So he's a special player. Up against a Brisbane side, Robbie, that back in round seven really pushed the Panthers, almost caused a massive upset. It was one of their performances of the season so far. Does Kevy go back to that game as the blueprint of what can work this weekend? Uh, yeah, he won't go back to last week's game. <laughs> he, he can't go back to last week's game because I thought you know, the first half last week I thought they were you know, really good um, against the Tigers. Uh, in the second half they just fell into a hole defensively. They were really poor, came up with some errors. Um, and and that's, that's what you're getting from the Broncos this year. They're, they're really struggling to put a, a complete performance together. I do remember this game. You know, they really pushed uh, Penrith at Suncorp Stadium you know, a couple of months ago and uh, maybe you do. Maybe you go back and, and say, look, you know, this is what we can do you know, when, we, when we do put a performance together. And uh, yeah, they were at full strength at, you know, that night, the, the Panthers, and, and the Broncos gave them a run for their money. So uh, yeah, not sure how Kevy's going to get a reaction out of him this week after, after last week's performance, but um, you know, it's a tough ask for him. Another team looking for a reaction this weekend is the Dragons. Let's have a look at their clash now at Seabus Super Stadium with the Titans. It's on on Sunday, Arvo, 1.50pm kickoff. The home team first. Dragons fans, shield your eyes. There are plenty of highlighted players here. Matt Dufty has served his suspension. He is back, so Tyrell Sloan makes way. Jordan Pereira and Matt Fiungai returns to the wing with both Jared Beal and Cody Ramsey shifting into the centres. Corey Norman will serve his ban this week, so Jaden Sullivan replaces him at 5 Eighth. Regular centre Jack Bird will play in the second row, which means Josh Kerr starts at prop. Josh Maguire has been promoted to lock and Jack DeBellin has dropped onto the bench. Adam Clune is in line for his first minute since round 11. He's been named in Jersey 14. For the Titans, Philip Sami is out with that ankle ligament injury and he's hopeful of return in three weeks' time. Greg Marju comes into the wing in his place. Jamal Fogarty is facing one to two weeks on the sidelines, so Toby Sexton gets his chance to debut at halfback. Sexton came through the junior Kangaroos alongside Sam Walker and Reese Walsh. He's been carving it up in the Q Cup this season and great to see him get his chance. The minor elbow issue will keep Aaron Clark out for one to three weeks, so Mitch Rain will play at hooker. Mo Fodawaka is back into the front row after coming off the bench against the Eels. Given you know that Matt Dufty is gone beyond this season and we saw what Tyrell Sloan can do on Friday night, does that surprise you that Anthony Griffin hasn't stuck with the youngster this weekend? No. <laughs> <laughs> no look, I, that was really good. Yeah, no. No. Nice little look, hand look, pass. Look, I, I think Dufty's still yeah. the best option. Yeah, totally. um, 
and their season's still still alive. Uh, you know, they're, in, they're in the top eight. They're a chance to make in the finals. So until it got to a point where they, they can no longer make the finals mathematically, I think uh, you've you got to play your best side. Uh, if it does get to a point where they're out of contention, well then, yeah, I've got no doubt that. And I'd be the same where there's no point playing you know, Dufty or anyone else that was moving on to another club in the next season. You'd want to play your young kids and give them that, that experience, whether it's you know, a game or two or three games, uh, leading in just to give them a taste of first grade you know, football leading into to next season. Uh, I think Matt Dufty, now that he's got a contract for next year, that, that, that would be really hard to play football. Thinking, you, you know, he was going really good for the Dragons in attack, you know, when they were winning games of football. Mm-hmm. Matt Dufty was the most creative player for the Dragons, but then he was told he's not wanted, then he couldn't find a club, and, that, and then all of a sudden your career could be over as quickly as it started in some regards. So the fact he signed at the Dogs should make him feel nice and comfortable that he has a future for next year. Um, he's got so many games to go for the end of the Dragons. Uh, in attack, he can be the most, the most attacking player for the Dragons. Mm. So I think, as Robbie said, you pick all the, the, the senior players or the blokes that can help you win ma- matches, they're still seventh on the ladder. They're still yeah. in the top eight. They've still got everything to play for. Um, and if it gets to the last two rounds where they they're mathematically can't make it, then you'll see all the senior players go out, you'd imagine, and all the kids play at least two games mm. in preparation for who's going to be there next year. Looking at the side they're up against this weekend in the Titans, we talked about David Fafita last week and the importance of him really inserting himself into that game, having a really big impact. We saw him drift in and out of the game a little bit, as we have at times this season. What do the Titans change? How do they make sure David Fafita gets his hands on the balls more? Well, they've got to give him some numbers. They've got to say, mate, you've got to have so many carries or you've got to run for so many metres per match. Um, it's a, There's so many sides in this competition that seem to be 60-minute sides. Mm. I think the, the Cowboys are none, one of them, the Dragons are one of them, the Knights. Warriors are one of them, the Knights. the Knights are one of them. There's so much good to what they do, but they literally only play for 60 minutes. But unfortunately, the game goes for 80 minutes, and that's where the, the top sides just wear the good sides down and, and, and come up with the mistakes, whether it's train harder, whether it's staying the fight longer. Um, it's hard because Tino's playing lock, and I think I think basically you'd have a David Fafita and a Tino both wanting to play middle forward, both get hands on ball as often mm. as you can, play play off the forwards, get the momentum. If I'm a halfback and I've got him in and around me, I'm, I'm, I'm either throwing the ball early and letting him win the tackle so I can play on the back of it, or I'm taking him to the line knowing that there's going to be two or three defenders they are going to watch Dave Fafita, which opens up space somewhere else. So I, I don't know if they've worked out how to use him yet or know how to play off the back of him. That'll hopefully come, but yeah, I think they're not getting the most out of him. I can absolutely see you doing that. Throwing him the ball, he takes a big hit, and you're hovering there on his shoulder waiting for the offload and away. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the hand of the ball again. Yeah. <laughs> hand the ball to the bigger, to the better person. Yeah, the yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Mm. So. Let's have a look at Sunday, yeah. Arvo, shall we? 4.05pm kickoff. This one's at Seabus Super Stadium as well. The Bulldogs taking on the Sharkies for the home team first, and that is the Bulldogs this weekend. Trent Barrett has made a number of changes to his pack. Jeremy Marshall King is back from a two-game ban. He starts in place of Sione Katoa. Ava Siamanafungai is promoted from the bench to prop, so Luke Thompson will start at lock and Josh Jackson moves to the edge. And after his first game back from an ACL, there's more good news for Jaden Ockenbaugh, who signed a two-year extension today. Cronulla, prop Aidan Tolman is out suspended after accepting a one-match ban for careless high tackle. Toby Rudolph will start at prop. Jack Williams comes in at lock and Royce Hunt is set for his first NRL match of the season. Matt Moylan remains unavailable with a calf strain, while centre Will Chambers is working on a return to the bubble after having to self-isolate. Looking at the doggies first and a big signing this week off the field in Phil Gould returning Mm -hmm. to Belmore. Where does he start? What is his first focus? 
Well, I think his focus is, you know, he, Gus knows the club inside out from when it was back in its old days about the family club, the mm. culture of the place. Uh, he's, he's been a very successful coach, um, mentor and administrator, um, so he'll know what he can fix straight away. The first port of call was obviously getting the first grade salary cap correct. Um, you know, he's not coming in to start at the, at the junior level and work his way up. They've got a lot of players off contract. They're, they're three quarters of the way through a rebuild. They have a rookie coach that's one year into a three-year deal. They have a new board. Uh, they would like to be successful again. They've got plenty of money from a league's club support. So I think he starts with the, 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 the first grade roster, the salary cap correct, mentoring Trent Barrett, because Phil Gould's been a very successful coach. I think yeah. that'll be a good thing for Trent Barrett to go with and then work from, that, from, the, from the top down. I think recruitment-wise, though, they're, they're looking really good for next year. And you look at you know, who they've signed with the, you know, the Fox and uh, Dufty, Brent Naden, Burden. Yeah. Uh, and there's talk about Tavita Pengai going there and even uh, Vaughan as well, Paul Vaughan. So yeah. um, you know, recruitment, I think, and, and the roster is starting to take shape. I think where, where you said Gus comes in, he understands the fabric of that Bulldog club. And for me, the, the dogs have almost you know, lost that in the last probably decade. You know, they've lost what you know, they were known for. You know, they're always known as the Dogs of War and uh, the Family Club and all those things. And I think that's what Gus will, will want to bring back, you know, that, that fabric and the soul of, of the club. You mentioned Tavita Pangai Jr. there and the rumours surrounding him heading to Belmore. Do you reckon that's a good signing for the Dogs? I think he'd be a good signing for any club. I think it actually... Oh yeah, you're right. I think it, that deal's nearly been done. By sounds of it, it's been done. So, uh, And they get Paul Vaughan. So they, they, they try probably the hardest in the competition, the Dogs. Yeah. They just don't get the reward from it, from being inactive to score points or not coming yeah. up with the, the right plays at the right time. So, as Robbie said, the four or five great backs they've bought next year will, will create speed, will create mm. the, the finishing ability, come up with tackle five finishes. Um, you know, Avarillo seems like he's going to be a good find. Um, you know, Beyond Yoda looked really good the other day. Um, and then if they get two middle forwards that are pretty powerful as well, that, that makes them a top eight side at least next year, guaranteed. Speaking of the top eight, up against the Sharkies this weekend, we know in the last couple of years have been good at beating the teams below them on the ladder. How mm. crucial a game is this for them to win? Very big game, uh, very big game. Sitting at, in eighth on the ladder yeah. um, with those teams just nipping at their heels behind them. Um, obviously, we, we spoke earlier about the, you know, the Raiders and the Warriors and, and, and those sorts of teams that are going to be pushing for those you know, two spots that are up for grabs. And uh, this is a game that um, the Sharks are... Yeah, would have you know, had a tick next to it as a as a win, uh, but you know, I think that I give the dogs a really yeah. big shake. You know, I'll, I'll go off early here for my prediction, but my prediction is I think the dogs can win this because you look at their last two games, uh, came close to beating the the Roosters, mm. um, you know, really good effort, and then on the weekend really gave you know the bunnies a run for their money. Yeah. If it wasn't for a brain explosion by Lachlan Lewis, we're ten in the bin. Uh, where you know, South rocked, uh, racked up some points you know, early in the second half. They were in that game as well. So you know, I think the Dogs can cause an upset against the Sharks this week. They, they, they beat them. They've played, this is the second time they've played this year. The, the, the Dogs beat them at Cogra yeah, early yeah. this year. And then Josh, Josh Hannay said last week they got beat on effort. They, you know, I mean, it wasn't, they weren't beat on skill. They weren't beat on anything. They were yeah. beat that they just didn't have a go last week. So I think, that, as Robbie said, I think there's some signs that Canterbury... Canterbury are only two wins behind the Broncos as well. I can't see the Broncos winning another game. I could see the Dogs winning more games. If they're able to scrap out a victory mm. this week, then all of a sudden they're a chance of not getting the wooden spoon, which would be unbelievable that the Broncos get it for two years in a row. Don't say that. We play them twice. But <laughs> the, I, I can't, I, the other <laughs> thing I can't believe about... I, I can't believe Lachlan Lewis has been picked this week. That was the biggest brain explosion I've seen last was week. That was that a 10 in the bin, though? But it's, it, not, it's not a 10 in the bin. It is in the rules. That, that's a, it's a melee at half-time. You've yeah. tackled someone without the ball. But um, they scored eight points when he was off the field. They got beat by eight points. 
You think the coach should have put his foot down? Oh, I, don't, I wouldn't have picked him. Like he, that hurt them so much last week. For every effort that they got mm. from everything they did, good mm. bits and pieces, this hurt them so much. Like, what's he going to achieve by doing this? Like, I've seen no one tackle anyone at half time. It was a random yeah. moment, wasn't it? It was Very one that random. you rewound your television to see what just happened well, yeah. there. You know, so I, I think he, I think he let let him down. I think he really hurt him last week. Mm. So I don't think I'll, that would have been a decision I would have made. I went, mate, hang on. For everything we've tried really hard, for every step we're getting forward, we're getting close to the winning. We can't do that. So I would have, I would, I'm surprised he's picked in the side this week. Well, that game rounds out round 19. This weekend, round 19 kicks off on Thursday night with the Eels taking on the Raiders. And, of course, you can see that game on Fox Sports Channel 9, KO, Sky Sports New Zealand and Watch NRL for our international viewers. Before we let you go, as you did so well yeah. last week, we'll ask you for your predictions again this weekend. Robbie, you've gone off early. Yeah. Gone off early, the doggies yeah. are going Dogs to win. win. Bulldogs to win. Lachlan Lewis, man of the match. Just <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> well, he, 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 yeah, yeah, he, he, he does old. No, but Bulldogs to win for me. Noddy? Uh, Josh Mansell will score a hat-trick in replacing Alex Ooh. I don't mind scoring a few points down that wing, yeah. do they? I like it. Yeah. Gents, lovely to see you both and nice to have you both here in the studio. Thanks for making my one outing this week really <laughs> yeah, enjoyable. Yeah. Thank you. We hope you're staying safe and well at home as well. Enjoy all of the Round 9 footy this weekend. We look forward to seeing you back here on NRL Teams next week. See you soon.